1: So here's the question. Was the signing of Odell Beckham Jr. the Ravens idea or was it Lamar Jackson's idea? Well, a new report suggests that Lamar was behind it and that he's searching for even more.
2: Yeah, and the more comes in the form of wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who just so happened to publish an important tweet about the type of pay he's looking for over the weekend. So stay tuned for all of that.
1: I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Monday, April 17th, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault.
2: So if you're curious about how OBJ played his 2021 season with a torn ACL, yet somehow managed to tear it again in the Super Bowl, sports medicine Dr. Brian Suterer put together a helpful breakdown That we'll dive into just ahead
1: plus the ravens finally dodged an unpleasant outcome that had become all too familiar in baltimore
2: we have all that more coming up thanks for waking up at the morning vault where you get the most important ravens news in about 15 minutes So, Sarah, ever since the Ravens signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year contract on Easter Sunday, we assumed it was the front office's way of reaching out to Lamar to either keep negotiating or at least not hold out on the tag.
1: Yeah, but Bobby, according to former NFL general manager Michael Lombardi, it wasn't that the Ravens were reaching out to Lamar. It was that, that they were implementing Lamar's specific demand.
3: I was told reliably by somebody who's involved that Lamar told them, In a conversation, get Hopkins and get Beckham. And then we can talk. And the club went back to them and said, Look, we can't get Hopkins and Beckham. We just can't get both. We can't afford both, but we'll get one of them. And they got Beckham. So they can't DeAndre Hopkins is an interesting story, right? So DeAndre Hopkins is available. And but the problem with DeAndre Hopkins is he would be great with Lamar. Not because he's got great speed, because he's exactly what Lamar needs. Someone you throw the ball anywhere in his area, he's gonna catch it. Reliable safety blanket. And he can run it after the catch. Now he's always covered. He is always covered, but he always catches it. And so but he wants a raise. He wants more money. And so I think what the Ravens decided was, okay, we can get Beckham. And I think that's why you see the overpayment for Beckham, because they felt like, okay, this is our way to kind of bridge ourselves to Lamar. All
1: right, first off, quickly, my apologies for the speed of that clip. I always listen to media at either one and a half or double speed. I just enjoy getting in more content in a smaller frame of time. But um, I'm not going to claim that I've got sources from Lamar's camp, so I can't confirm if Lombardi's report is true but I could see why one could put weight into this report because a Lombardi is a former front office executive and clearly still has ties around the league. B as we've discussed on the show, the Ravens signing of OBJ to 13 million guaranteed when the next best offer was reportedly from the jets and it was 5 million less. Well, that's a big overpay from a team that's traditionally disciplined with cap spending. So It's an uncharacteristic move, so connecting it to maybe a demand from Lamar could make some sense. And finally, C, there were reports from ESPN earlier in free agency that the Ravens were looking into a possible DeAndre Hopkins trade.
2: And Sarah, not everybody remembers this, but this type of thing, it's happened before. It wasn't connected to contract negotiations, but Marquise Brown told Bleacher Report that prior to the 2019 NFL draft, the Ravens asked Lamar who he wanted as his number one wide receiver. He told them either Marquise or Jerry Judy and obviously ended up with Hollywood. And then before the 2019 draft, Jackson let Brown know via text, quote, we're coming to get you.
1: Yeah. And remember, Bobby, Lamar also emphasized an improved offensive line before last season in the front office got that done. So there is some precedent in Eric DaCosta trying to get Lamar the pieces that he desires. I'm sure he hasn't gotten all of them. We've talked at length about, you know, not enough wide receiver weapons, but I like seeing this. To me it makes sense for a front office who's trying to build around their franchise quarterback to take his input. I like that as long as it doesn't reach, you know, those Aaron Rodgers type level of demands. This should be a partnership between these two sides.
2: So that brings us back to present day. Everybody's wondering what's going to be happening with DeAndre Hopkins. And clearly in that clip that you heard, if it's accurate, the Ravens told Lamar that they couldn't afford both OBJ and Hopkins. Now there were rumors swirling that Hopkins was seeking more money than the 19.45 million he's due to make in 2023. And then after that, the 14.915 million he's due to, in 2024 but d hop as so many athletes do these days took to twitter to squash those rumors writing quote hopkins doesn't want to raise and then signed it with his nickname nuke that's how you squash it huh
1: i do like it i do like that he's out there to you know push his own narrative i will say that it does remind me bobby if you remember because it wasn't too long ago that OBJ tweeted that he was not seeking a deal between 15 and 20 million because that was also the rumors at that time, but he did end up getting up to 18 million from the Ravens anyway. So, you know, maybe with Nuke, it'll be different. Now, I've said this before, Bobby, I still doubt, and I hate to put this damper on everybody, but I doubt Eric DaCosta can pull off both an OBJ and Hopkins signing in a single off season. But I will say this, EDC has been aggressive this offseason, and he's giving me signs that the Ravens are all in this offseason because they don't know what is promised tomorrow. Lamar Jackson is not under contract long term. And you combine that with Darius Slay. We covered this in our last episode. Darius Slay saying that he knows of other players that want to come to Baltimore. So it seems to me that whether it's Hopkins or somebody else, something is still on the horizon and maybe even before the draft.
2: Still to come here on The Vault, we'll turn to sports medicine doctor Brian Suterer for an in-depth breakdown on how OBJ managed to quote-unquote tear his ACL twice.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: We all remember during OBJ's introductory press conference last week as a Raven, uh, he raised some eyebrows when he had this to say after being asked about his current health status post ACL tear. Well,
0: I'm feeling great. And I guess I don't know if it's the second ACL because the whole that whole season I was playing, you know, without it. Um and it was a crazy thing. I signed with the LA Rams and um, I remember Eletroche comes down there and he's, he's like, I just got to inform you that you don't have ACL. You know, we could redo your surgery right now. And this was week nine of the season. And um, I, I had been, I just told him, I was like, I've been through way too much to come here and sign. There was way too much talk on my name, you know, the past year, like I came here to help win the championship. Um, and I told him I'd die on the sword. And that was just, you know, the kind of reference that I used. Uh, you know, I I just cared that much about about playing. So I feel great now. You know, I'm still in my process of um, getting ready for September.
2: Yeah. So Sarah, basically what he's saying is that he joined the LA Rams in 2021 without an ACL in his left knee, but opted to play through it out of motivation to title chase, which he ended up getting. He got his title. And if it weren't for the Whatever that we're going to refer to this as, I was going to say the ACL tear, but who knows at this point. Hopefully, we'll figure that out by the end of this topic. But if it, if not for that, he probably would have been the Super Bowl MVP. But remember all the reports coming out of that Super Bowl. They indicated he tore the ACL. He's now saying was never even there to begin with. So for more, let's turn to sports medicine, Dr. Brian Suterer.
4: The ACL is a passive stabilizer of the knee. Passive meaning it's not actively firing, it's not a muscle that can contract and be controlled. The ACL is either there or it's not. But thankfully, our body has other dynamic stabilizers, active stabilizers of our joints, and for the ACL, those stabilizers are the hamstrings. The hamstring muscles sit here on the backside of the knee, and because of the orientation of where the hamstrings go and attach down on the tibia or the shin bone, when the hamstring muscles fire, they pull the tibia backwards relative to the femur which is basically what the ACL is trying to do. It's trying to prevent the tibia from moving forward. So the hamstrings are there to actively provide stability to the knee joint in a way that the ACL is also trying to help out. In fact, the key tenet of ACL injury rehab is good control and strengthening of the hamstrings because the hamstrings are vital to help protect the ACL and help protect the knee.
1: Okay, so Bobby, did Dr. Suterer give his professional opinion on just like how realistic this idea of OBJ playing an entire football season on a torn ACL really is.
2: He did, and I think this should clear up some of the questions I've been seeing online about the legitimacy of his claim. Listen to this.
4: It's very possible that Odell at some point between his first ACL surgery and when the Rams did that next MRI, either the graft didn't heal right, something got injured again, and he had a non-functioning ACL on his knee. But he dynamically had been able to rehab well enough that he wasn't experiencing enough instability to make him or the medical team think that his ACL was incompetent. So that part of this whole story, while it was kind of misrepresented a little bit, is not crazy to believe it being possible that Odell was able to play with a torn ACL. Surprising, yes, but not completely untrue
2: so Sarah this immediately made me think about the messaging and organizational communication mostly put forth by John Harbaugh because he was at the podium every other day in the aftermath of Lamar Jackson's PCL sprain that he sustained during the Broncos game last year like sometimes medical terminology and just the concept of diagnosis in general are blurry and imprecise so we all know we remember this right like Harbs went from being extremely hopeful based on what he was given from Lamar's initial diagnosis in December to then becoming visibly frustrated and then ultimately just flat-out exhausted having to answer weekly questions related to this PCL sprain that clearly ended up being significantly more serious than initially indicated. So, hey, perhaps something similar was the case two years ago in Los Angeles, but here's one more breakdown from Dr. Suterer, who details the non-contact play itself, that ended OBJ's Super Bowl outing early.
4: What we saw here was an instability episode. Basically, we see the exact same movement of the knee. We see that same position where the knee goes inward. We see that tibia shift forward. But it's the instability because the ACL was already torn. And he just so happened to have his knee in a position where that instability event occurred to make us think the ACL had been torn. And then, of course, what we heard with the communication afterwards about the injury. So this wasn't that he re-tore a non-existent ACL It's that he finally had an instability episode on the field where the tibia shifted forward because the ACL was incompetent and the hamstrings weren't able to control the position of the knee. So again, very possible, just very poorly communicated. Okay, Sarah,
2: how many times in the past have we heard about a highly prized free agent signing with another team only to hear that Baltimore made a quote, Very competitive offer, but it just wasn't enough to get it across the finish line.
1: Bobby, that has happened more times than Ravens fans would like to count. I mean, just off the top of my head of recently, there was Bobby Wagner, Zedaria Smith, although that was even weirder than just missing out. He had, I guess, agreed to principle and then backed out. Who knows what happened there? But then there was Juju Smith-Schuster and then T.Y. Hilton. All right, and then how about the ones where they were close on with trades, but it didn't come through, and we had heard that the Ravens were close on DeAndre Hopkins before he was traded to Arizona, and then just recently we got this from Jeffs Rebek that the Ravens almost had a trade deal for Cortland Sutton. So, yeah, it happens way too often, and I know fans have been tired of hearing, well, the Ravens are trying because trying just doesn't get it done. So that is why. It was refreshing to see a report from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler that said it was not the Ravens, but the New York Jets who had made a, quote, competitive offer for OBJ. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to our friend Ingraven, great friend of the show. He found this report first. So good on him. And we're taking it to uh, also bring it to our audience.
2: Yeah, and we weren't able to track down the audio, but according to Bleacher Report, Fowler said this on Sports Center over the weekend. Quote, that's something the Jets couldn't quite get to. Of course, speaking of the Ravens giving $15 million in guaranteed money to OBJ. Maybe if there was more time, they would have gotten close enough to get it done. I do believe Beckham was intrigued about playing with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was intrigued about playing with Beckham. It just didn't come together but it was very close, close quote.
1: Well, Bobby, we'll find out by season's end if it was dumb of the Jets not to pony up the cash or was it dumb of the Ravens to give out that kind of cash? Either way, for right now, today, it's nice to hear that somebody else was close, but it was Baltimore who came away with their guy.
2: And before we fly, some other quick news items, beginning with this regarding Boston College standout wide receiver Zay Flowers. He's reportedly set for a top 30 visit with the Ravens today right here in Baltimore. And you might remember that ESPN's Mel Kuyper, he mocked Flowers to the Ravens in one of his mock drafts earlier this offseason. This is a four-year player, a ton of production up there in Boston. We'll see if he's available when the Ravens are on the clock at 22 coming up in just a couple weeks. And finally, here's former NFL quarterback turned NFL Network analyst David Carr on Baltimore's most recent acquisition.
3: I think Odell Beckham Jr. comes in and now you got Bateman, you have Andrews. It's going to look different. We saw him in the Rams uniform, which we're showing here. He was dominant opposite Cooper Cup. He was great in that system. I was extremely happy for him because he had production. When he got hurt, he was playing at an all-time level for him. You know, and then he kind of had to get, come back from that. He had to work through the process of being healthy again. And then you, were, it was kind of like, well, where's he going to go? What's his market? I think we found out what the market is. The Ravens are paying big-time money for this guy. And I think that with Bateman, with Andrews, and that run game, he's going to get a lot of one-on-ones. I initially wanted him to go to a place with already an established number one, like the Rams. And I thought maybe the Ravens, when I first heard it, I was like, I don't know. But now that I think about it, they're going to play inside out. Right? They're going to obviously lean on the run game. Andrews will control the middle of the field. And Odell will get to shine on the outside, probably with lesser guys. So I think he's going to have a big-time year. I feel like he's going to be healthy. He's going to be motivated to play well. And I think that this might help with the Lamar Jackson thing. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. So if you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms at patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. Now, as you know, we have been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. So with your membership support, you'll help us keep churning out daily Ravens content for years to come.
2: And a special shout out to two of our returning patrons this month, James Wiley and D black. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore. We'd also love to hear from everyone, whether you're a patron or not with comments, questions, questions, or if you'd ever be interested in advertising. As always, you can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And that is all the time we've got today, but one more reminder, mark your calendars accordingly. On Thursday, April 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be live streaming across all of our social platforms to cover opening night of the 2023 NFL Draft, of course, from the Ravens' perspective.